welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Michelle Perry from Iris Ministries in Sudan. Welcome to History Makers, Michelle. Thank you so much. Now, this is your first time out here in Australia. Tell us what do you think about our beautiful country. <laughs> I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I think the thing I like most about Australia so far is the people. You all are some of the most friendly, warm, caring folks that I've ever met. And it's just such a joy to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you along here in the studio. Uh, now, I've just heard you speak at a church this morning uh, up here in Brisbane, and I've been just amazed to hear your story. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing it as well. So would you just... Uh, uh, take us back to uh, the age of seven, uh, or, or tell us about you know how you were born and, and you know the, the whole story you just shared. Because I was just amazed at what God's done in your life from that beginning. Do you want to share that with us? I'd love to. Mm. Thank you so much. Well, I was born missing my left hip, my left leg, my left kidney. My right kidney had some problems. I had an incomplete digestive tract, severe scoliosis, and deafness in my left ear. By the time I was 13, I'd had 23 major medical operations um, to fix that, which was wrong that I was born with. But, you know, it's been such a journey. Um, when I was seven years old, my my mom and my dad were not um, born again. They didn't really know Jesus. Um, they had some religious backgrounds, Catholic, Anglican, whatnot, but had not yet known that they needed to have a personal relationship with him. And so, but my mom um, had was a woman of great faith, even before she she knew the Lord personally and prayed and said, you know, God, for as long as my, my daughter lives, her whole life is yours. And I really believe that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm still here. So I cut my teeth on um, children's Bible stories and that were read to me and then I later read. And when I was seven years old, I overheard my mom and my grandma um, discussing the surgery I was about to have. It was a very serious surgery on my spine and I'd overheard them talking about how, well, if the doctors make a mistake, you know, she might not wake up or she might be paralyzed. And that's a pretty scary option no matter how old you are. And uh, so I went to bed that night and was very, very fearful. And I began to feel like this elephant of fear was sitting on my chest, barely breathe. And, you know, they had tucked me in and gone off and, and into this fog of fear, into this place of great, great, great dread almost, I would say, came all of the stories of this guy named Jesus that I'd read about. And said he walked on water and he healed the sick and he liked kids. And it was just, it was fabulous. Um, I thought, he'd be a really good guy to know in my circumstance. So I I didn't really have a theology. I was seven. Um, all, I had was a, all I had was a cry. And that's all I needed. And I just said, Jesus, if you're really real and if you're really who those stories say you are, I want to know you. Mm. And he appeared in my room, ah, and I saw him just like I see you sitting across the table there. And he came and sat on my bed, and I took one look in his eyes. His eyes are the most beautiful things you'll ever see. They're like oceans of liquid love. You could just drown in them. And uh, I took one look in his eyes, and I fell in love. And I saw how much he loved me, and every little bit of fear that had been so pervasive in that room, just boom, it left. It's just fear cannot be where love is. And he is perfect love and he drives out all fear. And he gave me promises that if I followed him, I'd see whole groups of people in other countries and places come to know who he was. And so that began my journey. Wow. So did you leave home then and start your missionary work? Or <laughs> oh, I want it to. I want it to. I said, that's awesome. When do we leave, God? 
had to wait a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a few. <laughs> so, so tell us the steps you took. Um, you know, you, you're now full-time in missionary work in Sudan. Mm-hmm. What took you between the age of seven to, to being launched out into, into traveling the world? Well, um, in a nutshell, um, I grew up and graduated high school when I was 17 and went off to university. And in university, God really began to, to break my heart for the poor and mm. for the broken and for the disenfranchised and the exploited. And I began doing inner city children's work. And up until the point I'd left home at 17, I'd done a lot of motivational speaking and um, spokes work and leadership development seminars and kind of got an early start and um, became a professional speaker when I was nine. And I figured that would be the the path that God would continue to have me on. And instead he said, actually, I, I, I don't really want you training leaders about my kingdom right now. You don't know very much about it. And I said, oh, well, what book do I need to read? <laughs> and he says, no, 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 honey, you don't get this. <laughs> he said, I want you to go and, and to work with the children and work with the poor and the in the housing projects and whatnot, and they're going to be your teachers about my kingdom. And, and sure enough, they have been. So I started in the inner city in America, and then I graduated university and moved to India for several years and worked in the slums and the leper colonies of India, traveled and spoke, and then... Um, had a few years in Colorado in between and thought I would be moving back to India and God miraculously rerouted me to Sudan instead. Wow. Now, I just had a look at um, your website the other day and just saw some of the photos of these gorgeous little kids uh, in the orphanages and the things that you're a part of in Sudan. Um, do you want to tell us about how you got to Sudan and the, and, and the work that's going on there right now? I would love to. You know, it's just been this incredible adventure um, in the Holy Spirit and in the goodness and the grace of God and His provision. And um, I basically, I have friends, um, Heidi and Roland Baker, who um, started and run Iris Ministries, and their primary work and bases in Mozambique. But Iris Ministries actually has bases and works all over the world in many different nations. And so we're quite an international crew. And um, But they had invited me to come to, to Mozambique for uh, training school uh, for several months in 2005. Sorry, 2006. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> oh, it absolutely does. It was in 2006. And um, I'm not a numbers girl. Mm. So, um, but anyway, I went to Mozambique, and but God had put Sudan on my heart. I was planning on moving back to India and in the middle of purchasing my plane ticket. He says, I'm so happy you love India. I love India, but can I send you to Sudan instead? And I thought, God, Sudan's in Africa. <laughs> he says, yes, I know where Sudan is. Oh, I'm really glad he does because I live there now. <laughs> but, um, but I went to Mozambique, and at the end of my several months there, uh, it was just really affirmed to everyone that this is where God had indeed called. And they said, well, we really don't know anyone where he's calling you in Sudan in the south, but, but he does. So, you know, follow him and let us know how it goes. And and so I did. I just stepped out and went to South Africa and prayed for several weeks and to Uganda and met more people and prayed for, for more weeks. And within about um, 
six to eight weeks after I left Mozambique, I was driving sight unseen into my new home in Yay. I live in Yay, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's Y-E-I, Yay. Y-E-I, Yay. <laughs> but there's actually Wow and Rock On as well. Um, down wow the road. and Rock On. So we yeah. have Yay, Wow and Rock On all in <laughs> southern Sudan. It's a party town. And um, But no, we... Um, and so anyway, I hired a car and a driver and um, took some friends of friends that I really didn't know. And, and everyone was saying, you crazy white woman, you have no plan. You have no whiteboard strategy. You have no money. You have, you have no team. You have no contacts. You're just going to show up in the middle of the bush with all of the, the rebel activity and the instability and the, the, the disease. What are you thinking? I said, well, I, I think I'm following Jesus. And this is what he said. So... I did. I just turned up and one door opened and one thing led to another and long story not so short in about um, two years we've been open. We opened on Christmas Day 2006 by feeding a thousand people and taking in our first 12 kids and um, now we care for, um, the numbers are up and down a little bit, but um, roughly around 150 children wow. in our um, 77 of them live with me in our in our house, and then the rest of them are either in our second center or in our in-community care program, and we have a school that will be servicing about 250 children um, this year, and we've got community development, vocational training, put some wells in, done lots of village outreach. We've got about 10 churches that we've either started or are part of our revival network. And so God's moving. Our kids go into the hospitals and pray for the sick. And we see the blind see and the deaf hear. And God multiplies candy and translates us past rebel, you know, potential rebel attacks and, and whatnot. And so it's quite the adventure with Jesus. Now, there's probably people listening that are sitting in their comfy air-conditioned cars or air-conditioned houses or they're, you know, chilling out. They've just been for swimming a pool or something, and they're probably thinking, you know, my life is so comfortable compared to what this girl's doing. Uh, speak to those listeners now about the satisfaction that you get from reaching out to the people that God's put on your heart, you know? How could people give up everything and go and do what you're doing and still enjoy life? You know, tell us tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are several things I told God that I, I wouldn't do, and camping and children were two of them. <laughs> um, he's got a, a fabulous sense of humor in that it's amazing. I'm the world's most unlikely candidate, not only because of my medical situation, but because I'm a city girl. I, I grew up in Florida on the beach. You know, I've got... I'm just, I'm not, I like my mascara and my perfume and my lattes, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I'm not the, the the bush bush kind. But yet, God doesn't look at, at those things. He looks at our hearts. And, and I've never known such joy, even though there's tons of stress and there's tons of opportunities to not be joyful. I've never known such joy. And it's a cup of cup of suffering and paying the price, but there's also the cup of joy. And it's it's looking into Jesus' eyes and it's seeing his eyes in the eyes of our children and into the eyes of the people that we that we're serving and we have the privilege of loving into his kingdom. And you know, it, people ask me all the time, they say how do you not get overwhelmed? You live in the middle of a war zone and and there's so much need and you're trusting God for even your the next meal at times that you're eating and you don't even know where it's coming from. How do you not get overwhelmed? And Well, sometimes I do, but then I have to refocus my gaze and look at his eyes and, and remember that it's not 
up to me to love the whole world at one time. I can't. You know, Jesus can do that. He can do that in us. But but it's not up to me to love everybody at once. It's up to up to me to be so filled with his love that every person, one person at a time, that I meet, I can love them. And if I love the one that's in front of me and they encounter the supernatural power and love of God, then they'll be raised up to love the one in front of them. And it it will be this contagious movement of love. And that's how a nation's going to be changed and turned from a war zone into a glory zone. Mm-hmm. Now, You've shared with me before how intense it is over there. You've had rifles pointed in, in you know, stuck in your face. You've, you've, yeah. you, you know, there's been what a thousand people killed just recently in the area near where you live. Yeah. You've had half of your your mission work's been burnt down just recently. Yeah. But how do you have your devotions with God and 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 find that strength from God every day? Like, w- what do you do? <laughs> Well, I mean, fortunately, the the 30 acres that burned didn't have any buildings on it. So we now just have a fabulous fire break. But it did did get pretty close to my new house. Um, First house I've had in a long time. We just moved on to new land. Um, So, um, but God blew it away and took care of it. And, um, you know, to answer that question... It's it's really a matter of choice and a matter of focus, and it's the number one biggest battle for me. It's the number one thing I contend for. I don't contend nearly as much for even for healing or for, for a breakthrough or for a financial provision. I mean, those things come, but the number one thing I contend for is my time with Him. Mm. And sometimes it means staying up late, sometimes it means getting up early, Um but my favorite place to meet him is honestly with my iPod on and my face to the floor. And when my kids see mama on her face with her earphones in, um, usually they will leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. Not always, but usually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Because, you know, I can just imagine how crazy it would be with 150 kids and all the things you've got going on that yeah. you, know, you, you have that time with God and that's where you get your strength from. That's so good absolutely, to hear. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, there might be people listening now that are thinking, you know, I'm so far away from God right now. I'm, I haven't prayed for a while. I haven't been to church. I haven't um, connected with God for a while. And I'm sure listening to you, they're thinking, wow, I want what she's got. I need that joy in my life. <laughs> w- w- would you speak to those listeners and, and just share how they could reconnect with God uh, in this moment? Oh, yes, yes. Well, let me first tell you, he loves you. And there isn't anything you have done or anything you haven't done that could ever make him love you more or make you love you less. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he has been waiting. He is more willing to draw you to himself than you even are to be drawn. And so he just he just can't wait to show himself to you. So all you have to do is say, Jesus, you just have to say the same thing I did when I was a little girl. Say, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. Would you show me how real you are in my situation? Maybe you're not facing a surgery. Maybe you're facing financial crisis or you're facing um, relational crisis or other problems. But he, no matter what you're facing, he is big enough. He is big enough. He's bigger than your problem. And he's, he's there ready to be your answer. So all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be in control of my life. I don't want to be in control anymore. And and I just, I give it back to you. If I pulled it back from you, or if I never gave it to you in the first place, I give it to you right now. And, and come show me who you are. And I guarantee you, he will show up. He will be there. 
That's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Every time. Every time. And it's just up to us to ask. And, and prayer is just like, you know, Michelle and I are chatting here in the radio studio. We're just having a chat. That's what it's like with God. Just talk to him and uh, he'll hear your prayers. Uh, well, Michelle, I reckon you're a history maker. <laughs> just hearing your story and, and uh, how you've stepped out in faith uh, has just really inspired me. And, and I'm, I'm sure it will inspire uh, whoever listens to this interview. Uh, if people want to come over and work in your mission, if people want to donate and support your mission, if people want to pray for your mission, um, what's the website they can go to to get the details? What's the best place for them to track you down? The best place is um, our Iris Sudan website, which is www.iris-sudan.org. That's iris-sudan.org. Fantastic. And I guess if they just Googled your name or Googled Iris Ministries and, and Sudan and they, they could find you. That's how I found Absolutely. it the other day. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. And, and, of course, we'll have a link to Iris Ministries Sudan at historymakersradio.com. If you want to go to that website, you can download this interview and other interviews uh, or uh, make any uh, donations through there as well. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for having us, and I pray that God will continue to bless you in your ministry uh, amongst the Sudanese. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. History Makers.